Welcome to the Blackcast. It is I, Christian Black, at Christian DMZ. Joined as always by Jeff DeRay. DMZ, the Discovery Zone. <laughs> at Jeff DeRay. Captain EO, not at Captain EO, but we've established that already. We're going to talk Justice League for uh, pretty much the whole show. So if you <laughs> haven't seen it, you might want to wait to see it. But there's actually a few people who tell me that they listen to our spoiler-filled episodes to see if they really want to see the movie. Hmm. And I'm like, that's a tactic. But if you like narrative storytelling and, I don't know, surprises, that's not the way to do it. I mean, maybe you could listen to the first, like, ten minutes or so. Because usually, I think you can get a feel for how we feel about the movie by, like, well, let me give you a list of things <laughs> I didn't like about it. Or, like, well, it was pretty amazing. Uh, what, what, what might I nitpick? So I guess yeah. if you just listen that far. Yeah, every, every once in a while, we'll we'll make sure that we put the biggest spoiler at the top of the show. Yeah. Like uh, for uh, Spectre, it was mm -hmm. that he was really blowfish, mm -hmm. if you <laughs> blow remember. Blowfish. It's a little callback. Uh, and uh, <laughs> perhaps inexplicably, to talk about the Justice League, we have one of the best-known Spider-Man villains, the Raging Rhino. Uh, actually, his name's John Nolan from Texas, and he does the Raging Rhino podcast. And I know John because he's a big fan of the Black Cast, and that means he's good people and he has impeccable taste. So, uh, John, welcome to the Black Cast. This is your first appearance on the Black Cast. It is. Thank you very much, Christian. Long-time listener, first-time caller. We don't get a lot of those. You know, long-time <laughs> listeners or first-time callers. Uh, so before we dive into the Justice League, I thought it would be interesting. Uh, tell people how you found out about the Blackcast. I assume you were a fan of the Dennis Miller show, or should I not assume that? Yes, I, I actually love Dennis Miller. I was a big fan of his when he was on uh, SNL. In fact, back in the day, that would be the main reason I would watch Saturday Night Live was to see Dennis Miller do his uh, newscast. And when he had the radio program, obviously I was drawn to that. I had downloaded uh, his podcast because they would do a daily podcasting based on you know some of the interviews, and then all of a sudden one day this thing comes up called the Bladcast. Like, what the hell is that? Gave it, it a listen, and after one episode, I was like, I'm hooked. It's a little thing in retail known as bait and switch. You know, yeah. you think you're getting a high quality product. And instead, you get just a piece of crap that uh, is foisted <laughs> upon you. So you were on board from Blackcast number one. Yep, and I still have all the episodes saved on my computer. Uh, that's good, because every yeah. once in a while I panic that I don't have one of them. I do have all of them, I think, but if I ever don't, I'm uh, heading towards you. So that makes him very much more a part of this show than me. Oh, <laughs> way more a part of the show than you. Mm -hmm. You like weren't around until like 105 episodes yeah. you, more. You weren't than around me. until like number after number 100, I think. No, I did. Uh, I did 100. Okay. I'm saying I think I was around like 70 something. Maybe 80s because yeah, it was it was close. It might have been 90s actually. I think it was the no, 90s. It was like right before 100 because yeah. I think it was like 99 Lift Balloons was one of the first yeah. songs I had to play. 99 Problems and Aliyah Ain't One I think yeah. was the title. Yeah, I remember uh, that Christmas we had uh, a bunch of them in the 90s just uh, just to I don't know what I was doing but I had so many piled up. I'm like I just want to clean the slate. But anyway, uh, yeah. But Jeff follows me on Twitter, so he's already number one in my book. Yeah. 
I'm I, so I, wait active minute, on I, Twitter. I follow you on Twitter too. How am I not number one in your book? <laughs> I follow you from my account and from the Blackcast account. Um, and then, so obviously, let's talk I'm a little. The first one to do it. Yeah, let's talk a little bit. And by the way, on Twitter, you're at Raging Rhino Pod, and that's short for the Raging Rhino Podcast. Take a minute and let our listeners know what that is and where they can find it. The Raging Rhino Podcast can be found at RagingRhinoPodcast.com. It is a primarily political podcast focusing on libertarian philosophies. So if you tend to vote Democratic or Republican, when you listen to my podcast, you will find something that uh, you will love about me and you will find something you absolutely hate about me. And I'm fine either way, just so long as you think. Uh, and also just so long as you listen. See, I exactly. Find- I find yes. the title misleading because I thought it was a big game hunting con- <laughs> podcast, and I was really excited. Yeah, so. about going on safari yeah. with, with the Trump sons. Uh-huh. <laughs> I want to murder a lion so that I can be popular, too. Hey, I mean, look at lions. They're- I mean, dentists make a lot of money, so I, I'm pretty sure if I murder a lion, I become a dentist. We have to look at it this way. Imagine if somebody had gone big game hunting and killed Scar then Simba would still have his daddy alive. Mufasa would what still if, be with us. What if they were big game hunting and it was just like gay lions? Um, I was going to say. Well, actually, we, yeah. had a, we had a gay lion. He was in The Wizard of Oz. Uh. Courage. <laughs> but anyway, I, I was afraid to make that joke because I'm like, in this day and age, I'm like, uh, you know, you're going to have picketing. But then I'm like, oh, wait, no. We're, we're basically the only three people that will But isn't this. that the message of the cowardly line, to have courage? Courage. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, but he didn't have the courage to admit who he was. And that's a shame. Uh, so obviously, John, I realized you would comment on the Blackcast's posts and stuff, and we would write back and forth. But sure. I listened to you. Di- you know, you said your podcast is primarily political, but I listened to an episode you did about Batman versus Superman going back yes. about a year and a half. And I thought it was great, and I think I wrote to you afterwards, and I was like, oh, let's have you on the podcast sometime in 18 months. But <laughs> I, it sort of, as Justice League got closer, I was like, well, let's just save it for that. Let's have you on to uh, talk about that. And yes, that's one thing that will guarantee me preempting political issues in the podcast is when a DC movie comes out. You know, one of the things we've talked to a number of people about on the podcast in recent years, really months, is... <laughs> Their first comic book, and in, I think it was that episode of your podcast, you talked about, there was a specific episode of The Flash, I think was your first comic book. Tell sort of the Reader's Digest version of how you found that comic and why it was so important to you and just how long you've been a fan of these characters because of that. As most kids were in the late 70s and early 80s, Saturday morning was cartoon time. Mm -hmm. And cartoons for me, the, the most important one was Super Friends because I love the superheroes. So here I am, seven years old, wandering around a grocery store while my mom's buying groceries, and I walk down the magazine aisle, and there is this issue of Flash, Flash number 275. And on the cover, he's dancing with Batgirl, and around him are characters like Captain Cold dancing, who, who he's a bad guy, what the heck is he doing there? And uh, this guy in a gas mask shooting Bizarro in the foreground and a little invitation with a hand covering a name saying, you're cordially invited to witness the death of blank. And it's like, wow, seven years old, this is the coolest thing I've ever seen. And I get my mom to buy it for me, and I'm hooked. So like the missing Will Sterling, is Flash your favorite of the Justice League? Actually, Green Lantern. 
was my favorite, but Flash was a close second. Yeah, he's up there for Will as as well. And, and, and since we're talking about Flash, are you a Barry Allen guy or Wally West guy, or do you like them both? I grew up with Barry Allen. I damn near cried when he died in 1985. <laughs> so, but um, I, I I love I love Wally West just as much. Though. I mean, he's he's a great character, but I I kind of understand Will's point of view how all the really great Flash stories have come from Wally because. That's when the writers really gave Flash a lot of attention. Uh, but I still have a soft spot in my heart for Barry. I was really sad when they uh, canceled the Flash movie because they thought it was about Louis C.K. <laughs> <laughs> you were so excited that I you wrote it down. You I was wrote ready it. to go. <laughs> Jeff, has, Jeff has notes on his phone. And I'm like, I just thought he was playing a video game. I'm like, whatever. You know, the kids today with their video games, that's no problem. Well, let's dive into the movie itself then and let's start with the flash obviously that's not where the movie starts but give us your thoughts of the movie as a whole but specifically on the flash's sort of involvement since he's really the first recruit that agrees to join the team and what i think is a very funny moment it's like batman is, is like two words in and he's like yeah i'm in <laughs> and I, I just thought that that was very funny he's fast yeah all, all of the really Almost all of the really big funny moments come with Flash involved. But yeah, then when when he first gets introduced, yeah, I'm in, and I I, I need friends. You know? Yeah. Every everybody in the theater laughed when 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 he says that line. You know, later on when when oh, spoiler alert, of course, they battle Superman, and Superman, you know, suddenly Flash realizes, oh, this guy's just as fast as I am. And this, the look on his face is priceless. Yeah, I, I thought that part of the movie. That was great. Just mm-hmm. when Superman's still not right in the head and mm-hmm. he's someone to be terrified of and just flashes like, uh-oh. It's, it's <laughs> reminiscent in so many ways of the Quicksilver scenes from the X-Men movies yeah. in terms of like it just kind of makes the film – in such a way where you're like, oh, this is really the most interesting character when he wants to be. Like, all right, cool. I loved The Flash. I thought he was by far the funniest, most interesting new character, clearly, uh, in this movie. Uh, Definitely breakout character. The obvious and correct comedic relief. Yeah, and, you know, look, I was a little... I don't know. I wasn't excited about the casting of Ezra Miller as the Flash. Um, I had seen him in the movie The Perks of Being a Wallflower. He was good in that. I know he's done other things, but that's the one that always sticks in my mind. So he's not somebody that I was thinking, you know, superhero. But at the same time, I never in my life would imagine that Paul Rudd would be a member of the Avengers. So I tried to have a somewhat open mind for that. And to uh, since my wife is not here on the panel, uh, basically for her the Flash kind of saved the whole movie. She didn't dislike it, but having the Flash throughout commenting, making the jokes, definitely kept her engaged and interested and keeping in mind that she's like eight and a half months pregnant and sitting still for two hours was not the most comfortable experience, but the Flash made it easier on her. And I I think that we really needed him. We needed somebody to be funny. And I don't know if the Flash is typically that funny. I've only watched two episodes of the TV show and I I kind of felt like I got it at that point and I didn't need to see more. What were you gonna say, Jeff? I was gonna say, luckily for Heather, we had the amazing peanut gallery behind us who came up with such great witticisms as Wonder Woman, she's hot. 
Oh, thanks, guys. No <laughs> one, no one in the theater knew that until you yelled it out. I mean, to be fair, she is. But yeah, and they would laugh at moments that weren't funny. Yeah. And I, it wasn't that distracting. I forgot about that. It wasn't that distracting. But I'm just like, what? What are these guys? These guys watching a different movie? What's happening? <laughs> no, it was pretty ridiculous. Yeah, I think that he worked really well as part of the team. I think my biggest overall criticism of the movie, and as John alluded to, we are deep into spoiler territory, so you really should have stopped listening, but just in case you haven't, this is really past the point where you should be listening. My biggest criticism of the movie, and it's it's actually a fairly minor, I don't have a lot, but it's the fact that these superheroes didn't have their own movies, so we have to spend a lot more time getting to know them than we would in, say, The Avengers. Uh, because they all had their own movies. And I think that it was unfortunate that Warner Brothers didn't want this to play out organically, that they rushed into Batman vs. Superman and they rushed into Justice League. Uh, I don't think it made the movie as a whole bad, but it would have been great if we already had some of this backstory and maybe didn't need to see Flash go visit his dad in jail. I mean, I'm not even saying it was a bad moment. It's just for pacing, for getting the excitement going. Once the movie gets going, I think it's great. I just think it takes a little while, especially Cyborg really has to be explained. And <laughs> there's there's no brushing over that. But if we'd already had a Cyborg movie, they'd be like, well, you should have seen it. Yeah. You know, there'd be a little asterisk and it would say, check out Cyborg movie dash editor. You know, <laughs> I mean, how relatable and how poignant would it have been right along with the Black Panther movie? Right. I'm just saying like a cyborg uh, origins film. Yeah. You've got this like super intelligent, superstar athlete, uh, like young black man. And then everything, and he becomes a superhero. Wouldn't that, you'd think that would play well with yeah. audiences, right? And I'll, I'll admit that I'm the least familiar with Cyborg. I remember, and John can probably attest to this, sort of the, the later seasons of Super Friends. I think he mm -hmm. and Firestorm joined yes. the Super Friends. And you are I think that was the end of the Super Friends. That was the last mm -hmm. seasons that they had. Um and, you know, obviously we all really missed the Wonder Twins, but we we got over it and we we soldiered on. So I remember him from that, but I didn't know anything about his backstory. And I thought it was all very interesting. And I'm again, I'm not saying that it was bad storytelling. It's just it's unfortunate that we needed all of it in this movie. I also felt like the chemistry between him and Flash was was awesome. I liked the yeah. dynamic between Flash and Cyborg in the film. Yeah, and they both allude to each other as the accidents. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I love that their bonding moment is when they're digging up a grave. Yeah, you know, yes. they're like, oh, let's get Clark Kent out of here. Hey, we should be friends. <laughs> and there was, of course, the moment where they were going to do the fist bump, and Cyborg was like not ready for it. So then there's the great payoff later in the movie, which Jeff okay. made sure that I saw because it was way off to the left yeah. side of the screen. It was yeah. hidden in the left corner, and I was like, hey, they're fist bumping. <laughs> no, I know. I was, I, was, I was like, look. Yeah, but... Uh, the bump, the bump. <laughs> I, thought, uh, I thought it was great. I liked the way that they played, played off of each other throughout the course of the movie. And there's not a lot of it, but I also like Flash and Aquaman's interaction. You know, there's just a couple yeah. of like, my man, stuff like that. But I was like, that's cool. And as people who listen to Blackcast know, I think for me... Aquaman was sort of, it wasn't even a weak link. It was just a huge question mark because this sort of interpretation of Aquaman is not something I've ever seen before. 
I feel like they're relying on having isn't the Aquaman movie one of the next ones to come out? It is. So I feel like the same way they didn't have to tell you or felt like they didn't have to tell you much about Diana when they yeah. introduced her in Batman vs Superman is the same reason they didn't feel overly compelled to overly explain Arthur. Plus, it makes sense Arthur would be a loner since that's kind of who Aquaman is. Yeah. He's like a brooding dick, but <laughs> n- but not Batman. Uh, and he's yeah, he his, he's rich in fish friends, well, not yeah. in money. Well, it makes sense that over the years Aquaman went from just like weird Aryan guy to like brooding sea angry like pollution activist who's like, really, you use my home as your like dumping ground yeah like, as, f- as your sewer yeah, yeah. Like f humanity uh yeah. and 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 i i would get that my issues in terms of the dynamics were that you had these funny pairings you had aquaman who could kind of go either way and then you had your three clear straight characters superman wonder woman and batman they shouldn't ever tell jokes yeah they shouldn't ever try to be funny they're that's like their mo and and them not being funny them not trying to tell a joke like maybe a bad one from superman now or then but like beyond that is what would make them funnier kind of the way that drax was funnier in the first uh guardians movie yeah. because he wasn't yeah. trying to tell jokes every five exactly. seconds their humor is should be a little bit more subtle kind of like when diana walks into the bat cave and He's like, well, you know, I paid millions of dollars for the security in this place. He's like, yeah, it looked pretty expensive. Yeah, yeah. yeah see, that's great. Like I, that. I, I think that you you isolated a perfect moment. That's the way that she should be funny. When Flash asks Batman or asks Bruce Wayne, "What's your superpower anyway?" He says, "I'm rich." That's the way that Batman should be funny. Not yeah. an awkward exchange with Superman where he's like, "I don't not like you." Oh, that, I need yeah. to bring me back because you you liked me. Yeah, I don't. I don't not, not like you. No. Yeah, and, and then it, that's when Superman grabbed Batman's head and slowly pushed it towards his head, <laughs> dick for some fellatio. No, I think that that was the version that's of right, the movie Bruce. in your head. That oh, was sorry. fan fiction. Yeah. Fanfic. Yeah, yeah. That, that that's the fanfic you're working on right now, which will be on your Ten Years in the Making podcast. Batman v Superman <laughs> fellatio. Actually, that one's called Batman and Superman. But anyway, I think that. It just didn't always work. Uh, Bruce Wayne and Alfred are able to be funny together. Uh, mm-hmm. And joking around with the Flash makes sense because he's funny. Superman's not really that funny. Clark's not really that. Not this Clark. I would say that Christopher Reeve Clark was very funny because they played him in the right way. We didn't really get much Clark Kent in this movie. So there wasn't a lot of room for him to be funny. But again, this is a very minor criticism. You know, right. I, I think there's just a couple of moments. I think... The one that I talked about where Batman says, I don't not like you, it stood out and I like shook my head and I'm like, come on, what are you doing? Like, just keep the movie going. Like, if you stop down for comedy, it's gotta it's gotta be a home run. You yeah. know, not a broken bat single. You need a home run. I had two other things that, that kind of bugged me in the movie. One was the overly CGI scenes, like specifically the one that really bugged oh, me yeah. during it was the cornfield one. They're in a cornfield, but they're not outside. Yeah. And it's clear that they're yeah. not outside. And I was just like, come on. Can you not step outside for like one scene? Is it really that like, hard? Bring a unit for a day or two days worth of shooting to a cornfield. And you can just go up north. Like, if you're filming in Los Angeles, great. Just go up north a little bit. I don't know where they made this movie. I don't think yeah. they made it here in L.A. But, but the point is, there's somewhere within a few hours you're yeah. going to find a cornfield. It'll be fine. And if you want to tweak it, you know, have, like, a really cool sunset, something, mm-hmm. that's fine. But just stand in a cornfield as 
the base for your scene and then add to that. Yeah. I, I agree. I think that we maybe didn't learn what we should have from the Star Wars prequels. That just because you can film on a blue screen soundstage doesn't mean you should. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, lastly was just the more scenes than a, than a plot. And the perfect example for me was that stupid fucking family that we witnessed <laughs> throughout the movie. The, that's you mean stuck the, in you like mean Chernobyl. The, yeah, the, family. The, yeah, the the ones waiting for the Sokovia Accords to get signed. Exactly. It was like <laughs> they were like, "Hey, we live in this nondescript area near like some kind of nuclear silo thing." We're just going to barricade ourselves in. We're not going to really ever talk. We're not going to yeah. have any interesting dynamic. We're never actually even going to interact with the bad creatures ever at all. They, there's never a parademon that like flies in their house and eats one of the children or the mom. Well, thank God Nothing for that. happened. But I'm saying like they were there to create stakes, but there was never any real I, stakes I for them. I agree. And the payoff was clearly just for that dumb joke of like the bug Flash spread? pushing the car oh. and Superman holding the fucking house. Yeah. That but, was the payoff. Also, oh, the, she, spray, the girl yeah. had the, the bug spray, which I thought was a cute moment. So you had, you had those but, two jokes, and that was like the only point for that family. And that was the stuff that I was just like, I could have done without that. And maybe I'm just being like, you know, well, sour. But here's how we tend to talk about movies, especially on the black cast. But just in this day and age, we're starting with the stuff we don't like. There's a lot of stuff we did like. Yeah, It's the stuff that's usually forefront in my mind. When we talked about Rogue One. I had to start with weird CGI Grand Moff Tarkin uh -huh. because I was just like, no, it took me out of the movie. But this was stuff where I'm like, yeah, th I, I didn't love that. And I kept expecting a payoff for that Eastern European family. And so when we had the scenes, they didn't bother me. It's more in retrospect that I'm like, hey, wh where was the payoff for that? And it, it was the joke that Flash saved one truck while Superman saved like an entire apartment complex, which was funny, by the way. That's how Superman can be funny, yeah. by being super and just yeah. going and doing he it. He didn't have to say yeah. anything. And let somebody else realize how funny it is. Yeah. That make it like similar to him looking at Flash and how that was funny. Although it was also Ezra Miller's fate, like look of sure, like <laughs> terror and shock of like, he's going fast too. <laughs> yeah, which, which is pretty great. Uh, John, well, as is our guest, uh, give us some more just general overall feeling you know how excited were you going into the movie do you feel like it delivered and just some of your favorite moments oh yeah i, I definitely felt like it delivered i mean that's something i've been waiting for since i was that little seven-year-old kid picking up that first facet issue I, i've been hoping for this movie to come out and i'm finally glad it did uh i absolutely loved it had a lot of a lot of fun even the, the little nitpicky things that that, that i I had problems with you were you know like you guys said yeah it kind of irked me a little bit but it was it was so minor that i can just gloss over it and just enjoy the movie as a whole i i, I laughed you know i enjoyed every every character had his own little quirks you know even you know like you said aquaman you know who was the big question mark you know i think it was just jason momoa being jason momoa and that just worked for the character and everybody else had their own little moments and um with the exception of Batman making his, you know, little man crush on uh, on Superman. That was, uh, like you said, that was kind of the awkward moment. It was kind of a nice nod to Batman versus Superman that Superman comes back to life and he's like, oh, I remember you. 
I remember. (laughs) Yeah. And and he's like, do you bleed? And he's like, oh, and that was one of those, another one of those moments that did take me out. Sorry, we're trying to be positive, but I go back to the negative. There's what looked very much like an insert shot from after the fact. And it's a really close up of Batman on the ground. And you're not sure where he is. That's why I think it's an insert shot after the mm-hmm. fact and he's like well my leg's definitely bleeding or whatever he said you know and i'm like it is funny and i'm like that was definitely somebody's like let's add a joke there you know and that somebody was probably joss whedon you know and it's like yeah we got to do this reshoot which is completely unnecessary joss whedon was like let me show you how i did it with avengers no let me yeah. show you how i did it with age of ultron let's not let's not yeah, follow what true. i did in avengers that's fair yeah. so if you, if you think about it okay so this movie so you have the good guys they squabble a little bit but they put everything aside so they can fight a god with an army of hideous creatures looking for a source of immense power. So am I talking about the Avengers or Justice League? <laughs> it's a great point. There are definitely some... Stephen was a yeah. screenwriter for both. So. Yeah. Well, I think for this, he gets the screenwriting credit because he came in after the fact. And, right. you know, I, I don't know exactly what this movie would have been if it had been 100% Zack Snyder. Although one thing that I know it would have been, longer... So the fact that it clocked in right at two hours, apparently there were people upset. I was talking to my sister-in-law's boyfriend about this, and he had heard that people were upset that it was only two hours. I was like, no, it was a, I'd rather have a good two hours than a ponderous two and a half hours yeah. with some great and, moments well, in between. And for the most part, I mean, it might have been only been two hours, but it still – I think it worked for, for that movie. I mean – there, there wasn't uh, other than you know, like you mentioned with the the, the family and in, in in Russia. For the most part, it was pretty efficient. Do you think there's an hour worth of movie just sitting somewhere? The the Zack Snyder cut of this film probably that has like a whole another <laughs> yeah. plot line. Yeah, like Perry White. Where is he? Yeah. You know, so he's probably got a whole Perry White storyline. Perry White White's sitting there like red pill, blue pill, <laughs> motherfucker. <laughs> I think that the running time was good and. Like I said, it took a little while to get going, but once it did, it, it was such a fun ride. I'd say it's more than the second hour. It's more than like the second hour of the movie. It probably took about half hour to really get going. But I also love that we get a nod to the Green Lantern. Yes, Corps I was going to mention that having to have a, a Green Lantern in the film. And the theater we were in, people applauded when they realized that there was someone in the Green Lantern Corps yeah. during that flashback from the uh, original battle, which we'll get to the villain in a moment. Yes. Jeff. So I have a question for our guest. Yes, John. Uh, yes, John. <laughs> uh, so as a DC fan, are you also a fan of the Marvel films or just like not as much because you're less connected to the characters? Because I feel like that's oh. totally a thing with Will. He like will deny how good they are sometimes yeah. just because he's like, I don't like the characters. I don't want to acknowledge it. It's good. Well, and, and, and we'll let you answer in a second. Will used to be a lot more positive about the Marvel movies before people <laughs> hated Batman vs. <versus laughs> Superman and strongly disliked Man of Steel. So once his movies got to be the one that everybody... And look, I think that those mov- movies are all very fairly misjudged except for maybe suicide squad but i think that they're you know and when you see that they're the goddamn tomato meter drives me crazy as i've talked about on here and it's like oh it's got like a it's got like a 20 percent on the tomato meter. i'm like that does that literally means nothing like don't judge a movie by that and people will and the fact that in the first weekend justice league was estimated to make 94 million dollars everybody's going to turn and be like, well, see, I'm like, well, what is, what does that prove? It made a hundred million dollars. It cost 300 million. So you think it's not going to make any more money. Now, 
I made a similar point about Amazing Spider-Man 2 that it didn't make as much money in the first weekend and then they rebooted the franchise. So maybe I don't judge this the way the big studios do. But anyway, that's me sort of filibustering John. Uh, what is your connection to the Marvel movies? Do you uh, enjoy them? Uh, are you able to, and did you read some Marvel comics too or did you only really read DC? I read a little bit of Marvel, uh, not anywhere near as much as, as DC. The my, my friends were heavily into Marvel and they didn't really like DC very much and I was pretty much the opposite. Uh, so I have like a, like a casual knowledge of, of a lot of the main characters, like certainly the Avengers. But I actually I really enjoyed the Marvel movies. Like Will might have may not like them as much because of what happened with Batman versus Superman. I found myself being a little bit more critical. It's like, okay, if you guys are going to shit all over Batman versus Superman for you know these reasons, well, let's go back and take a more critical eye at the at, at your movies and let's see you know what's going on. Like if you're going to complain about Man of Steel about you know the 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 rampant destruction you know in the battle. Well, you know, in the Avengers, you've got Hulk running around New York City, and uh, it just so happens that nobody dies. Like, yeah. ooh, you know? Yeah. No, that fight happened on the day that New York was closed. So, <laughs> exactly. No, yeah, right. it just closed for business. There was nobody there. Yeah, and look, it's it's a criticism that was pointed out in Man of Steel, but it's not like something that you haven't seen in any number of Marvel movies yeah. and any kind of you know action movie in general. You know, I, I'm pretty sure that John McClane did a lot of damage to New York City in Die Hard with a Vengeance, you know, yes. and I, I'm pretty sure that uh, the the T-2000s really messed up Los Angeles. So, yeah, it's just mm -hmm. it's just what happens. And it is one of those things where I'm like, why is everybody making such a big deal about trashing Smallville and Metropolis? two made-up places that no one actually got hurt, you know? Mm -hmm. But, of course, in both instances, you're able to have sort of the starting point for Batman vs. Superman, and then in the Avengers, you have sort of the beginning of Spider-Man Homecoming with the little flashback with Michael Keaton's character. So exactly. I guess they are at least able to deal with the fallout in the aftermath, which I, I think is good, to, to be honest, to not just ignore it. Uh, but yeah, I know what you're saying though. And there is this sort of line in the sand that you have to be one or the other. And for all of Will's always saying like, well, why can't we just like both? Mm -hmm. He he's, he's inclined to like one of them a lot less. Yeah. Uh, but I know he, he wasn't here when we talked about Thor, but he, and we will talk to him about it at some point. He did really like Thor. He thought that Thor was a lot of fun and he enjoyed it. And he thought that they did a good job with that particular movie. Yeah. Which leads right into my next point, which is that. I think this movie, I mean, intentional or not, coming out a week or two or two weeks after two Thor, weeks after Thor is yeah. going to be compared to Th Thor. <laughs> That's just Jeff <laughs> spilling an empty cup from uh, Carl's Jr. Yeah, uh, <laughs> uh, is going to be compared to Thor, right? And mm -hmm. Thor was fucking amazing. Yeah, like, that was a really, really good movie. So my thing is, getting ninety-four million, it makes perfect sense because. You've got that friend who's going to see the movies no matter what, us. Yeah, we definitely and, went to go see it. Yeah. And I'm a ton of people have asked me the question where they're like, oh, I was going to see Justice League, but like, tell me what you thought. What, should I see that or, or uh, Thor? Go see Thor. I'm a, a hundred out of a hundred times tell them to go see Thor because I think objectively it's a better made movie. Right. But like, this is still a fun, worthwhile movie. In my, well, in my opinion, I guess not objectively. Subjectively, I think it's it's just 
better. Yeah, and I'll, I'll ask John sort of what you think in this. Look, if somebody's asking you the question, which one they see, they're probably not predisposed to like this one more. Yeah. You know, they're not going to be like, well, these are the characters I want to see. You know, it's not like, oh, I'm more excited about this movie. Oh, but should I see this other movie? So I think that that person you're talking about, whoever asked you that question, they should definitely ha see Thor before this. Yeah. Uh, my own friend, Brad Moore, and regular contributor here all the way from Australia, he told me that he saw it and he liked it, Justice League, but he had just seen Thor last week. And, you know, sort of in the afterglow of Thor, it's like, oh, this was still good, but that was so great that it's sort of overshadowed by it, yeah. which is probably all part of the way that they they circle these dates on the calendar like three years out, you know, mm -hmm. that it's like, oh, that's when Justice League's coming out. Great, Thor's going to come out a couple weeks beforehand, and mm -hmm. we're going to do whatever we can to make it awesome. We're going to throw the Hulk in there and just figure out all the things that uh, people need. Um, <laughs> but, John, you, you do you agree with that assessment that if, if somebody is super excited for a Justice League movie because they like these characters, or even if it's just like, you know, you and I are both of our backgrounds with the Super Friends, mm -hmm. we're like, oh, yeah, I want to see that. If they're going to ask the question, they probably won't like this movie better. Do you think that's a fair assessment? Um, yeah, I, I, I think so. I, I think that you know, if, if you love the characters, you're going to see the movie regardless. And if you need to question it, if you need to somebody else's opinion, then you know, you, you're probably not familiar with the characters and you're going to be lost anyway. So now I'm going to put you on the spot. Which one did you prefer? I haven't seen Thor yet, unfortunately. So that's pretty easy for you to do, isn't it? Yeah, don't, don't, don't get me wrong. I mean, I am going to see it. Yeah. I just figured, well... Justice League coming out, I'm going to watch that and I'll get around to seeing Thor, you know, probably next week or so. I almost feel like that's a smarter way to see it, especially based on everybody now telling you how much better Thor is. Because mm -hmm. I, I love seeing movies without any expectation or stuff. I, my thing is, and I'm sure you've heard it if you listen to the podcast, I'm always trying to enjoy the movie. Yeah. I'm never the one going in being like, this is going to suck, and I'm going to tell you why it sucks. Because yeah. why the fuck would I waste but my time and money to, to go to do that? To be fair, there are a lot of people who see movies, for some reason, in that way, where they're like, I'm going to see this, but I know it's garbage, and I am just going to prove myself right. And, I mean, there are plenty of movie critics who approach movies that they write about in that way. Mm -hmm. They're like, I know this is going to be bad. And so they're already writing it in their head before they start. But now we're basically all movie critics, whether we, I don't know, we have a podcast with 253 episodes or we have a Twitter <laughs> account or we're just on Facebook. We all basically are critics and we're going to shout loudly when we like something, when we dislike something. And mm -hmm. I think there are a lot of people that... They just know that the way the wind is blowing, it's like, oh, it's going to be more fun to talk about the problems with Justice League, which I'm fascinated by because there's a, a friend of mine who was writing on Facebook about like, well, I guess I'm going to see it. I'll see if it's the worst movie of the year. And I'm like, why would you think it's going to be the worst movie of the year? There, yeah. there are much worse movies that have already come yeah. out. Daddy's home too. And, and, and. <laughs> In all honesty, Blade Runner 2049 wasn't that good. I, I It looked cool, but it was a half hour too long. And the first one is so great that that's one of those things, too, where if you see just Blade Runner 2049, it's probably great. But if you see Blade Runner and then a couple weeks later, you know, you remind yourself of Blade Runner, you're like, oh, OK, there's some cool stuff in this. 
but I, I would say Justice League is definitely better than Blade Runner 2049. And Jeff, are you balking at my assessment of Blade Runner 2049? In, in comparison, I would say Blade Runner is way better than Justice League. So Interesting. Yes, I, I would disagree yeah. with you. I was very disappointed I, in it. Is I, what I, it but here's the to. funny thing that you say that because it's a Denis Villeneuve. Yeah. Right? And I, lo- I love most of his movies, but I fucking hate Sicario and everybody loves it. So I think sometimes he just makes movies that you're just going to hate or dislike That's, for some reason. Like his yeah. style. That's you fair. can enjoy most of his movies, and even though all, most of them are very similar, one's just going to pop up and piss you off. I think, like you said, though, Christian, I, I, when I go to the movies, especially if, if I'm you know paying money to you know, to you know to go see a movie that's just come out, I, I, I'm going because I, I want it to be good, and I'm going to watch it, and I'm going to look for positive things about it. I'm not going into something to say, oh, let me see if I can just crap all over this. Yeah, I mean, because if it's a movie that I'm going to watch just to crap all over it, it has to be, like, exceptional, you know, just something that you know is going to be bad. Like, I even went to go see the most recent Fantastic Four movie with the hopes. I wasn't going like, oh, I got to see if this is as bad as everybody says. There was a little bit of that in my mind. But I actually really liked those characters. I had heard all the indications that it were bad. I still wanted to see it because I hoped that maybe there'd be something in there. There wasn't. It was really bad. But those were such a good cast to be such a bad movie. Yeah, I I think that that has a lot to do with chemistry. They just did not play well off each other. But anyway, if I'm seeing, especially now that I have a kid and a lot of times going to the movies is an extra 60 to $75 for a babysitter. I better want to like this movie when I go and see it, you know? So uh, I'm definitely predisposed to enjoy a movie. And I felt like, I felt like this delivered and probably was better than I thought it was going to be. I didn't think it was going to be bad. I just was a little hesitant, you know, because of this specific universe that they're in with the exception of wonder woman, you know, there's always been a lot of questions and a lot of like, Oh, I wish it was a little bit more like this or that. So, I, on the whole, the little like whiny gripes that we had at the beginning of this episode, that's really all I have. And in general, I had a lot of fun with it. And that's what I tell people. It's like, it's a lot of fun. If you like superhero movies, you'll, you should like this one. I don't want to say that anybody's guaranteed to like it because you never know anymore. But (laughs) I would think that most people who like superheroes in general, but especially if you like even most of these characters, you know, the joke that I told multiple times on the black cast and on some of the other shows that I do is that when the really big trailer for Justice League came out, I was like, oh, it's like the Avengers if you didn't give a shit about three of them. But after seeing the movie, I gave a shit about everybody, even <laughs> Cyborg. And, you know, the joke was always for me about Wonder Woman and uh, not Wonder Woman. Sorry, uh, Aquaman. That's a Freudian slip. But uh, I, I do care about them. I think that they fit very well into the story. I'd say with the uh, film's antagonist in mind, I'd call this film a magic carpet ride. Oh, look at that. Mars Bonfire, <laughs> who wrote Magic Carpet Ride at the age of 16. Yeah, let's talk about Steppenwolf. It's, I'm glad you transitioned there because I was just going to go in circles and say the same thing again and again. John, do you feel like they did a good job bringing Steppenwolf to the screen? Because you know, I'm not that familiar with the character, to be honest, uh, but he looked really cool. I thought that they did a good job. What did you think? Visually, I think thought, thought he looked okay. Um, I thought he was a little monochromatic. You know, they could they could have used a little bit you know better color palette on him, but um, I think he was a good first movie villain. Yeah. You know, he, he's not the one that you you know you don't want to see him pop up in you know Justice League number three. You know, as the big bad because he's just gonna suck. But you know, as a first step, uh, you. 
Less the Steppenwolf and more Stepping Stone. <laughs> oh, I like that. Yeah, because obviously, like, the ultimate big villain you're going to have is Darkseid at some point. Mm -hmm. And it's like how these Marvel movies are building towards Thanos. You know, if you think about the Avengers, Loki's the main bad guy in that. And, you know, I know he teams up with the aliens, the Chitauri. But Loki's mm -hmm. the main villain in the Avengers. And now he's, like, third down in comic relief in a movie, you know? So he's he's not the big villain anymore, you know? And I think it's a good point that you kind of start small and you work your way up. Because one of the, the big criticisms of Batman versus Superman is that Doomsday shows up at the end. Yeah. Like, you know, you, you don't want to use a, a good heavy villain like that so soon. Yeah, I mean, especially when it's basically like an afterthought, you know? It, it's like a 40-minute post-credit scene, basically. <laughs> If you feel that yeah. way, tell it to uh, DC Comics Rebirth, which I'm reading all of Will's. Oh no! Yeah, look at that <laughs> reference because they use dark. Uh, they use Doomsday right away. Um, he oh, wow. already is in the Rebirth specials that I'm reading. That's They're interesting. Fighting Doomsday again. So I'm like, all right, blow your load, man. I guess it's just <laughs> like the that's, movies. That's, yeah. They're like, hey, it worked so well in the Doomsday. movie. Doomsday. Ah! Um, Jeff, what did you think about Steppenwolf? He. I mean, I don't know a ton about Steppenwolf. It, most of my knowledge of him would have been through like the early 2000s Justice League cartoons. Okay. And he would have just been one of Darkseid's generals. So he would have mm -hmm. just been kind of a pussy. <laughs> was, <laughs> you know, like they, they didn't need to really build up to Darkseid with like other generals. And it was more like uh, Granny Goodness and uh, his like three chick like century ladies those were more the people that you'd see coming and kicking ass and i almost think you have that female furies yeah that's the female right. furies that's a missed opportunity there granny goodness and the female furies are much more interesting villains and you can play on uh dc kind of capitalizing on women because let's be honest the best buzz dc had from any of its movies is Suicide Squad, people were obsessed with Harley Quinn and, yep. and want to see more of that. And Wonder Woman, a strong female character. So give us more female antagonists and protagonists and like play up as like, hey, we're the, the superhero universe that has a lot of women in it. Gives uh, you something. No, no, I definitely agree with that. I think that the choice makes sense for the reasons that John's talking about. It is a good stepping stone to onto bigger and better villains. What I like is when you have a villain who's very powerful, but all powerful, kind of impossible to defeat. It, it's a little, it's a little tough to enjoy. You know, I mean, talking about a character that is, let's just say, very heavily influenced by Darkseid, Apocalypse in mm. the X Men movies. Uh, I mean, in the X Men Apocalypse, well, he's fairly a easily a able to be dispatched. But in the comic books, he was just a guy, well, you're never really going to beat him. Thanos is kind of that way. You know, it's like, I, I just like when you can actually beat somebody. And look, I get it. It's comic books, and a lot of times villains come back for another day. That's fine. I just like when people can get defeated at all. So the fact that if they teamed up and worked together, which is always the lesson of all the first team-up movies, hey, we need to be a team or a league, as it were. Uh, and I think that it was cool because he was so powerful, especially when the mother boxes are put together. But it's like, well, there's still a flaw. We can beat him. Great. That's all I need from a movie. I want the bad guy able to be beaten. So, uh, John, you might know, you'll definitely know this better than I would. I know there's the whole storyline where Superman, uh, after some shit that goes with him, uh, goes on with him, 
it gets captured by Granny Goodness and is like tortured by her, and like they scramble his brain so that he forgets everything and thinks that he's like Dark Side's general and comes back to like conquer Earth, which is what they alluded to in Batman vs Superman when right. the Earth is like scorched and Batman's like uh, fighting. Oh, you're talking Superman about Bruce Wayne's there. dream? Yeah. yeah, and then the Flash comes <laughs> back and he's like, "You were right. It's really happening." Like that to me yeah. was alluding to like, "Oh yeah, that storyline's gonna happen where Superman comes back." and is led by them. Now that it's going to feel repetitive because we've already had Superman kind of lose his memory yeah. and not know people. So I'm a little worried about that. Um, and secondarily, didn't that happen after Superman died from the whole Doomsday fight? Like, didn't, isn't that... I thought so that after played the, after into, the death of Superman comic yeah, books, I, yeah. I thought that's what played into him getting like captured up by Darkseid and Granny Goodness and all that. All right, John. Can you play? Can you play uh, assistant editor for us and take us through all the chronology of everything yeah. Jeff asked about in production order? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but actually, it's funny because I, I originally thought that that's how they were going to resurrect him in the movie was Darkseid was actually going to be behind it and try to make him one of his minions, and that's you know where the the, the nightmare vision from Batman versus Superman came from. That, I thought that's how they were going to do it, but they went in a different direction. Yeah, through, as this movie went along, I kept expecting, I'm like, all right, so at some point this is going to turn into Bruce Wayne's nightmare. But no, I guess that's in another movie that we'll get that. But I did <laughs> expect to see something very much like that that was like, oh, hey, this is the dream. But uh, no, that was not. But anyway, back to your thoughts, John. The Death of Superman, that one, uh, I don't think that it was Darkseid that was behind it. I mean, I could be wrong, and I'm sure that somebody listening will you know, eventually correct me. But um, I remember him coming back. Jeez, that's been like 20 years ago already. Wow. Um, I remember when he came back that he did have a memory loss, and then, then they needed to, uh, to, to get that back. But that was, man, that was a really messed up time with all the different you know, people claiming to be Superman. You know, the cyborg Superman and the Eradicator and so forth. So it doesn't seem like that's... Uh, but I, I guess what to what Jeff's point is, that this all seems like stuff that we will see in yeah. subsequent movies. Uh, well, let's talk about uh, the big guy himself, Superman. I, I thought it was very interesting that in all of the marketing and the trailers that they kept Superman out of it, even though we all knew he was going to be in it. Mm -hmm. um, but, uh, you know, I, and I was a little critical of that because... You literally have the most famous superhero ever, period. He's in your movie. He's in it, not, not just a couple minutes, like he's in it the whole third act. And you don't promote the fact that he's in it, except for like when you spell out, you know, saving the world and you use the S or whatever. Well, but. not to mention the fact that, that I, I mean, maybe just because we live in LA, but it was a very public story about the whole millions of dollars they spent to like edit out his mustache. And so if I still he's don't understand that, by the way. Why didn't he out? just shave off his goddamn mustache? I, what, what does I he thought have? it was because he had to have it that length so he could go back to filming whatever movie he was supposed to be filming. Whatever movie like, that nobody's going to see yeah. in favor of Justice League, you know, he leaves the mustache. And I'm just, yeah, that the amount, the fact that we have the technology that we can remove that mustache is what creates problems like this. Because even. Well, maybe not 10 years ago. 20 years ago, it would have been like, yeah, so you're going to shave the mustache. Yeah. yeah, but I need it for this other movie. It's like, yeah, so you're going to wear a fake mustache in the other movie. You're in yeah. a contract to us. Yeah. You're going to make a shit ton of money. Yeah. Shave your goddamn mustache. I, I, it sounds like, based on how much money they said it costs, 
I would imagine you could have paid out his fucking contract on that other movie yeah. and paid less money than fixing his stupid fucking mustache. I mean, that's yours. the thing when you get into where it's infuriating. You're just like, uh, no, no, shave the mustache. It's like, Although, there, there's no I'd reason. I'd rather to... that money go to some fucking creative VFX guy than Henry Cavill. Okay, right? sure. I guess if that's what you're saying. <laughs> if we're going to really boil it down, I um, guess I'm glad the money I'm, went to somebody else. I'm sure else. Henry will be able to make up the money somewhere else. Yeah, yeah maybe in Man from Uncle 2. Uh, oh. But Ooh, what? Yum. I, I actually enjoyed Man from Uncle. I thought <laughs> yeah, it was fun. You. Yeah. But uh, I talk, uh, John, give us your thoughts about how Superman is brought back and how he ultimately meshes back in with the rest of the team. Yeah, I, I, I think that given how they brought him back, that, that it made sense that they would use the the, uh, the Kryptonian ship to do so. Um, I do like the uh, the 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 conflict between the characters when when uh, Batman versus first comes up with the idea to do it and wonder woman's against it and aquaman is against it and finally cyborg says okay yeah man you know while while you were being an asshole i'm crunching the numbers (laughs) and and i think it's gonna work (laughs) yeah i thought i thought that's funny that was one of the moments that i think fell a little flat for me which was it 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 just kind of reeked of Zack snyder which i know he's the director of the movie but we Mm -hmm. all know that he didn't direct every minute of what we saw and right. the conflict just didn't work. And it was just a lot of like, oh, I know the name of your dead boyfriend, so I'm going to be a dick about it. And I was just like, them, their conflict was necessary and it's important to the story. But the way they got there, I was just like, no, that this didn't feel like they earned the fact that they're disagreeing. That definitely bothered me. Not enough to ruin the movie, like I said. But it was just like, yeah, I feel like they're, they, they're having a real debate that they can be on opposite sides of, but why is this stuff coming in that just, I, I don't know, just it sort of like cheapened the whole thing. But, uh, you know, again, minor criticism, which I say a lot that they're minor criticisms. I guess if you pile them up, they, they get a little bit bigger. But I, I think that it made sense that that was how they were able to bring Superman back because we had established in Batman for Superman the Kryptonian ship. Uh, that it had those properties. And I was glad that it was like, well, you know, you also have to utilize, you know, the mother box that uh, Cyborg has the relationship with because, you know, it's not as simple as like, well, why didn't we just dunk Superman in the Kryptonian ship, you know, months ago? The fact that it's like, well, now we have something that could actually get it started. He just needed to be kissed by Lois. (laughs) Right. And and you need Flash to to kind of, Jumpstart everything. Yeah, I did like that. It was a it was another instance of a team effort, and that was the two of them working well together. Uh, look, I have always liked Superman as a character as as a kid, and you know the first Superman movie, the first Richard Donner Superman movie, was a, a favorite movie of mine. I mean, it's still great, but like as a kid, I loved that movie, and I always liked the character. And I think it's been a long time since he's been well serviced on the big screen. I mean arguably since Superman 2, uh, in all honesty. You know, uh, I think Man of Steel was a little uneven for me. And I I think that it, it misses one of the most important things for Superman, which is Clark Kent. Uh, mm-hmm. I, and I think that he's, again, not in the whole movie for this, but I think that we get to see him being Superman in a way that it had been a while since I'd seen that. So I was able to enjoy him a lot more. And I was also glad I said this to Jeff after the movie ended that sure. We had a few minutes of the, I don't remember who I am. I'm very angry. You all have to fight me, but it didn't take that long. It didn't, you know, it didn't 
take up like a half hour of the movie. It was right. fairly I, easily well, rectified. It wasn't like, get Lois. Oh, no, he doesn't remember her. Get his mom. Yeah, well. Oh, no, he doesn't totally remember her. Oh, and then he lands at his dad's grave, and that's what finally kicks it in. You're Clark Kent. Yeah, I, I mean, it could have definitely very that's, easily that's been that's next That's from Nester. the Zack Snyder four-hour version of this movie. I mean, that's certainly what could have happened. And I liked that just seeing Lois was like, oh, right, yeah, I I love her. And I kind of, you know, it just, it's basically like putting the paddles on somebody who's hard flat lines. What were you going to say, John? Well, I, I just like the fact that, because you know, you're talking about how Man of Steel miss, miss Clark Kent and how that is, you know, the, the important part of the character for you. That's, you know, when he's, when he's having trouble with his memories, it's the Clark Kent portion of him is is what calms him down. You know, by seeing Lois, and he remembers him being Clark Kent first, and that's what brings him back. No, that's a great point. I think that you know that was one of those things that I felt worked a hundred percent, and that it was indeed seeing Lois. And I liked that Batman and Alfred were referencing big guns because mm-hmm. I did expect a big giant gun that they yeah. were going to point at his head or it's something. Like, what fucking gun do yeah. they have now? I know. I was like, is it a cannon? I mean, is, you know, what could they possibly use? And Introducing like, oh. the watchtower. They shoot a fucking <laughs> laser from space. But instead it's like, oh, it's Lois. Of course it's Lois. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Um, Jeff, what did you think about Superman in this movie? I thought he was good. I've, I've never disliked uh, Henry Cavill as Superman because I enjoyed Man of Steel a lot. I really connected with that story. Um, so I've always bought into him, and I like this version of Superman being a little bit more plausible because my understanding of Superman from the comics, and I'm sure, John, you can speak to this more, is that he's essentially uh, limitless in power, so it's never going to be a crisis of he can't overcome the bad guy. It's essentially like... How do I solve this problem without killing, without having to cross that line and essentially like establish a great example for everybody else? Like, how can I do things, but do things the right way? And I think that's an interesting uh, challenge to have to face uh, every time you've, you've got these stories, you've got these different people. And it's it makes it interesting when you're constantly saving every little person because then it's not just about like, well, yeah, I could probably punch this guy's fucking head off right now, but that's not the point. <laughs> I, I thoroughly agree. I mean, that that's kind of the, you know, the, the thing about Superman. I mean, he is so powerful that that he's always having to hold back. He's always having to 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 deal with things delicately. So it's very rare that that he can really show off his full power. You have to have something like a Doomsday or a Dark Side before you're going to see you know Superman at full power. Other than that, he really has to connect to you know to that human humanity, that that human side of him, in order to to deal with people on a day to day basis. So you don't go crazy and you know lose the power. You know we're going a little bit uh, circular here, but what sure. I really liked was the first post credit scene where it's just like, oh, Flash and Superman are going to race, and I'm like, well, that's fun, mm-hmm. that's great, that's I'm so classic. glad that that's in there, yeah. and. You know, I'm like, th- that's a very likable Superman. You know, that's not a brooding, I snap General Zod's neck kind of Superman. That's like, hey, Flash, we're going to race. And I also kind of like that we didn't see what happened. You mm-hmm. know, that it's more like it's up to our imagination. It's the easy criticism of these this current crop of DC Universe movies, the Zack Snyder movies, for lack of a better term, is that they're too dark and they're not light and they're not fun. 
And that moment shows that, you know, it's not just about putting some jokes in or making a character funny. It's like, yeah, let's just have a lighthearted moment where they run, you know? I mean, when I read comic books, you know, I'd read a whole stack of them. I liked little things like the X-Men in their downtime would, you know, basically play softball and you know the avengers and the west coast avengers would play had an annual softball game that they would play and it's just like little things like that it's like yeah it doesn't always you're not always saving the universe you know it's like there, there's a time where you have some downtime and you will like those characters more depending on how you tell those stories i think that there were definitely a lot of things wrong with avengers age of ultron but the best stuff is when they're just hanging out drinking and they're, you know, trying to lift Thor's hammer and things like that. <laughs> like, yeah, that factors into the movie. But at the same time, it's like, well, it's completely unnecessary. But the character building, I find, as one of the most important parts. And it's very easy to do in a comic book because, you know, Superman, well, he's been around for 80 years now. Or, yeah, I think I'm doing the math right. And he's been around for almost 80 years. Next year and, will be 80, yeah. Yeah, next year will be 80. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Spider-Man's been around for 55 years, you know. So you've had a lot of time to build these characters. And in a movie, you don't have that much time. Right. So spending the few minutes you have wisely is very important. So I think that, you know, some of the stuff in the Batcave, some of the stuff when they're strategizing, I think helped me like these superheroes as a team and I like their dynamic together. Uh, and then, you know, they'll add Green Lantern or somebody and they'll mix it up a little bit. But uh, I think that's good. Yes, Jeff. You just reminded me of a joke from Thor that I fit. I feel like if you can achieve this kind of stuff, that's what I DC is looking for, where it's funny, but it doesn't have to take away from anything with the hammer. Uh, just in the very beginning fight, when he's down in like Surtur's domain, or oh, whatever, yeah. he just drops the the... Uh, hammer in this like giant beast's mouth and then the thing just crashes to the <laughs> yeah. ground because it can't move yeah because the the hammer is going to hold it down like that's hilarious but you don't have to it does it's just a quick act and it's in the middle of this fight so you can get action and comedy all at once uh one other member that we haven't spoken about in terms of the justice league would be wonder woman and i think she's very good in this movie she's well utilized she's a good part of the cast mm -hmm. but what i'm going to say this isn't even really a criticism it's her movie was so good that it's kind of like anything that they do in this movie is going to be to some degree a bit of a letdown, you know, because that movie was so great and it was on a great scale. I don't think she's bad in this movie at all, but I think it's more like, oh, they're going to have to be conscious of what they actually do with her because people loved her so much. And there's a great sequence early in the movie, and this is one of the benefits of having her already had her movie before this, where we don't have to introduce her. So we get to see her being Wonder Woman and stopping a hostage situation. So, mm -hmm. you know, that's interesting, but it, it's, it's also like, oh, okay, that's not like, you know, stopping the God of War and, you know, averting World War I going yeah. the other direction or anything like that. And it's, that the gag with Aquaman when they're on the jet when he's sitting on her rope and oh, he's yeah. like starts divulging all this information. You don't have to establish that that rope makes yeah. people tell the truth because we know that. I'm glad you mentioned that. I actually forgot about that moment. That was so funny. Yeah. I know. I thought it was interesting. I'm like, man, he's just opening it up to everybody. And it's not <laughs> one of those where I'm like, oh, my God, the lasso of truth is under there. Uh, what did you think of that moment, John? I, I loved it. That, that actually um, it's kind of reminiscent of one of um, Grant Morrison's stories from the Justice League back in about uh, 15 years ago, where he's working with Wonder Woman and has to hold onto the lasso and he starts telling her how hot she is and everything. <laughs> so 
<laughs> yeah, but but you know, just didn't kind of go through the 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 whole roster. It's like, oh, you might be working for the bad guy. You're tripping all over yourself. I thought that was hilarious. What do you think of how Wonder Woman was utilized in the context of this movie, John? Um, I, I think you're right that that it's it's kind of difficult, especially after her last movie, which was so well received and and so well done. Well, of course, she's also now having to be divided, you know, between six different characters, and everybody's got to get their time, but. I think that the the one thing that people have been wondering since Batman versus Superman is, you know, what was she doing for a hundred years? You know, why did she, you know, go into her self-imposed exile? And to have her at the end of the movie, she's out in public. She's, you know, she's talking with people. You know, she's she's talking to fans. You know that 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 was a good step for her. That's what she, you know, her character needed to do. And the other thing is, she grew to be basically the field general of the team when they're doing battle. Yeah, no, that's a good point because you feel like Bruce is a lot more of an idea guy and Superman yeah, he's, has- He's good for the initial strategy, yeah. but once you're in the in the field, you need a soldier. Well, and again, he is just a, a rich guy with a lot of really cool gadgets and you know he's not necessarily the guy that can lead you in battle. He's kind of mm-hmm. doing some more side things. And Superman is obviously that face, well, it's right on his chest. He represents hope. So, mm-hmm. you know, everybody has sort of different roles, but I would say, yeah, Superman and Wonder Woman at kind of the front are what would help a team like this function in this world that they live in, you know? And it's like, everybody loves Superman, you know? And and people will get to know Wonder Woman and it'll be sort of the same thing, you know? And it'll be like the movie in the real world where lots of young girls were just inspired and they meant a lot to them. and. You know, I think that in this world, it would make sense for her to be able to be out at the forefront. I'd like to see this Batman be a little bit more calculated because one of my favorite uh, Justice League tropes is the whole basically everybody in the Justice League starts getting their asses handed to them. And you're like, what the hell is going on? And you come to find out like, oh, yeah, Batman actually came up with protocols on how to kick every single one of your asses. Uh, yeah. And somebody found it and is using it against you. That's or actually very, that's very interesting. Was that in uh, one of those? They uh, use it. It's it's a trope. It oh, gets it, used a lot because yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, it, because it's it, 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 it makes um, sense. It's the the Tower of Babel storyline is was when it first was used. Oh, okay. And Shah Ghul is the one who finds the the plans. Uh, well, let's talk a little bit about Batman. Um, I like this Batman, and I know some people don't. Look, he establishes and he makes reference to it that he's he's been doing it for 20 years. Actually, Commissioner Gordon mef- references that he's been doing this for 20 years. Mm-hmm. And he, the idea is put out there. It's like, I don't think you can do this much longer. He's like, I don't think I can do it now. You know. So I like this sort of – I mean, obviously, the idea was to go a little bit more Dark Knight, and I don't mean the Christopher Nolan movie. I mean the Frank Miller comic is mm-hmm. to have this older Batman who's unfortunately still got to do it. Isn't like, that what the crawler was from? The the vehicle that he has in this, I think, is that crawler tank from Batman uh, Dark Knight Returns. Uh, that That's what I would think. Do you feel like that's what that is, John? Does that seem like that's what that vehicle was? I was thinking the, the, the tank from Dark Knight Returns was what's much larger. Oh, okay. So, but maybe that was the idea. It was inspired by this. You know, maybe yeah. they, they didn't want to oh, yeah. put it on that scale. Because I feel Snyder loves drawing from Frank Miller, and that was yes. Frank Miller's Batmobile was the crawler tank. Right. Thing. Yeah, uh, I don't know. And I, I think it, it works really well in the context of a team movie, but I'm also interested to see a standalone Batman movie with Ben Affleck. And I, I feel like we, we are going to get it. There's a lot of stops and starts behind the scenes. But uh, I think that, 
it, we will definitely get to see that uh, before too long. Uh, Jeff, your thoughts on obviously this Batman in general, but how he was in this movie in particular. I I, li- I mean, I don't dislike Batfleck at all. I didn't think he was bad. Or Was he fine? He was fine, yeah. Okay. I mean, I'm trying to think about it because I'm like, he doesn't shine in the movie to me where I'm like, oh, he had this great moment and he was amazing in that. And same thing with uh, Batman versus Superman, but I don't dislike him as Batman. I don't, I don't think he's a bad Batman. I just don't think he's gotten his Batman moments. I feel like... And maybe it's because they wonder if we have Batman fatigue after the Christopher Nolan Batmans because yeah. those were so popular and like so important to people. And I think in the, the burgeoning superhero movie scene, because that was 2005, Batman Begins, that kind of led into this whole 2008 Marvel Cinematic Universe and yeah. things going really crazy over the last 10 years in uh, superhero movies. It, it's a great point, and those really set the tone for this DC Universe, even though, oddly enough, it's not part of this. You no. know, It's not the same thing. John, what do you think about Batman in this movie in particular? He was fine. Oh. Uh, <laughs> uh, actually... I, I think he he did a really great job. I actually do like Ben Affleck as Batman. Um, it was one of those where when I first heard it's like you got to be kidding me, uh, but now that I've actually seen it, it's like yeah, I'm glad I gave him the benefit of a doubt because he he did a really good job. Um, I think the the only difficulty that I have is after seeing him in Batman versus Superman, where he is that kind of bitter, grizzled, you know, tired superhero who's kind of a badass and willing to, you know, you know, kill and kick the shit out of anybody who got in his way. It's, you know, having him, you know, try and kind of take a step back and to have to be that lighter Batman, you know, to, in essence, really to appease the critics more than anything else. It, it was a, a little bit off-putting, but I still think he did a good job. I mean, you know, he, he was, you know, functional, you know, he had some really good, uh, you know, fight scenes with the, uh, with the parademons. And, uh, you know, you know, saving Flash and he trips over himself. I think he did a good job. <laughs> Him going around and kind of putting the band together is, is kind of interesting. I mean, it, it, the sequence where we initially meet Aquaman and he says no, I mean, that doesn't really serve moving the story along. But I think it's kind of good as some background that, you know, Aquaman's like, yeah, I'm not I'm not really into this. I think mm-hmm. that's important because when you put a team together, yeah, not everybody's going to be into it, you know, and, and then it's like, oh, it, it kind of got personal for me. Yeah. Uh, but I think that, yeah, he's I, I like him as Batman. And, you know, I still feel that sequence from Suicide Squad, the flashback to Batman going after Joker and Harley Quinn. I'm like, well, why wasn't that a whole movie? I would rather have watched that than the Suicide Squad movie. Uh, so that's the story that, you know, and I know people hated that Joker, most notably somebody who's not sitting here at the desk right now. But uh, No, I created the shit. I fucking you hated hate him too. Jared Leto Joker. I, I, I mean, I didn't love it. It's not, it not my favorite Joker. I think the ultimate Joker is probably still Cesar Romero for me, but that's just me. Okay. But, <laughs> but uh, I thought that that would have been a better movie. That would still be a good story to be told. I just don't think it's going to get told now because of the backlash against that Joker was the point that I was going to make. But uh, look, I, I think it, it, it all comes together very nicely. I think this is a very good movie. I think it's the right movie that they had to make. And I think that they should really spend some time and focus on the next Justice League and have it be great. 
you got to go you got to go one up you have to make sure the next one's better uh i know we're gonna get some more standalone movies but whenever that one is and i'm sure it's on the calendar somewhere i just personally don't know how far off we are from that i think that you just really have to make sure that it's it's a good one i was just thinking about this i remember there was a lot of stories when suicide squad was coming out about people being pissed with jared leto because you know he's a method actor and playing the Joker, yeah. I'm sure he was being a, he was being a dick to the, the yes. other people, like sending them mm-hmm. used condoms or some There's, shit like that. Yeah, I think Will, Will Smith told some stories yeah. uh, on a talk show about and that. And it's yeah. just like, here's my thing on that. If you're a method actor and you're playing the Joker and you're not out murdering people and doing a bunch <laughs> of drugs, you're doing a really fucking bad job being the Joker. That's and maybe that's why your performance was so shit. Yeah. What did you say, John? At least take a crowbar to Robin. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. For real. <laughs> like, let's, let's be honest. Jared Leto, you don't intimidate me and you never, ever, ever have. So playing the Joker is not a good role for you because you're not scary. I can't ever name a role where I was like, oh, yeah, those crazy Jared Leto eyes. Uh, He's got soft, like, girl eyes. That's why he played a tranny and won an award for it. I'm I, sorry. Is, wait, is tranny not? That's PC? a word that we're not supposed to use anymore. What is but the correct? Uh, just say transgender, trans, transgender, transsexual, and it's then of course transvestite a, is a different thing. I know what you're right, saying though. It's, I it's apologize. A word, no, no, that's a word we used to be able to just use conversationally, and you know, Will would be able to tell you the right one to use, but he's not here right now. Uh, but what I would say is that Jared Leto. He was so intimidating on my so-called life because he was just so handsome. <laughs> and I think, you know, I, I I just couldn't handle the way I felt about him. No, but obviously, I think he's a great actor. And I think that any actor who gets so into the method, you know, of like, oh, you know, you have to call me my character name when I'm on set. I, you know, it's like, okay, so you're just working really hard at pretending. And I feel like that means you're not a good actor, that you can't turn it off. He said that in an interview. He was like, oh, yeah, if I was a better actor, I wouldn't have to do it that way. Oh, that's kind of annoying that he agrees with me. <laughs> yeah, but I, I think it was one of those bullshit tongue-in-cheek, like, oh, I'm going to say this thing that you think is legitimate, but by me saying it, it makes it illegitimate. Oh, <laughs> I'm Jared Leto. Uh. Yeah. I'm like, hey, Jared Leto, what was your toughest, scariest role? Well, the scariest movie I can think of you in was Requiem for a Dream. And what did you do in that? You got strung out and had your arm cut off. Real intimidating. Yeah, and I mean, you know, Daniel Day-Lewis is like, oh, you have to call me Mr. Lincoln and Mr. President. And I'm like, all right, so you didn't take a car service home. You didn't, you know, use a phone when you're, you know, it's just like the whole thing. Is just Gave like, himself syphilis. Well, probably. And it's just like. I don't know. I don't. I don't buy into that whole thing. But we're definitely getting sidetracked, which we do so well here on. <laughs> Isn't that the what Blackcast. I thought? That's what Blackcast stands for. It translates into uh, easily sidetracked uh, it, it tangents, things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, if we were going to give this movie a letter grade, uh, Jeff, do you have a letter grade for it? I'm going to give it a B minus because uh, it was good. I enjoyed it. It had its qualities. But I felt like it it missed a lot of marks for me. So uh, yeah, I, I, I give it a solid B. Uh, I I just feel like yeah, it's it's not exceptional, but it's really good, and I really enjoyed it. And uh, unlike Batman vs Superman, I can imagine watching it with my son at some point. Mm-hmm. Uh, Batman vs Superman, it seems like it'd be be a little while. Uh, John, what did you think? Well, I'm totally biased. I'm gonna give it an A. 
Hey, I, I mean, That's and fair. it's it's the movie that you've wanted, and you feel like it delivered, right? You and said you, you wanted this movie since you were seven. The, it gave you what you wanted, right? Exactly, and, and I'll let you on, on another little secret. I, I've actually already seen it three times. Oh, wow. Jeez. That's that's pretty hardcore. I and mean, you haven't seen Thor once. <laughs> I I will. Yeah, I will. Uh, Priority. DC guy. DC gets the priorities for sure. <laughs> I mean, not to cu- undercut your A, but it's missing out on Thor, and that's probably <laughs> why it's up there. Uh, well, no, it'll be interesting. We'll have to l- have you let us know after you see oh, Thor what you think of it, and obviously you're going to compare them differently. Now than you're going to hate it on purpose, <laughs> and that's fine. Actually, I'm pretty sure I'm going to enjoy Thor. It looks like a, a fun movie. It, it, yeah, it is a lot of fun. I, I'd be surprised if you didn't enjoy it. Uh, so we're looking forward, I guess, as we wind down here. Who do we get next? Do we know? Do we get Aquaman next, or what's the next movie? Let's see. Aquaman, I think they, they do have it in, in development. Okay. Um, I think Flash got delayed because the they had they kept having directors leave. But I think after this movie, you know, I, I think that there's going to be a lot of more positive buzz toward him. Try to get him uh, into a movie. Uh, also, Shazam. Zachary oh, right, Levi that's has been right. Yeah, yeah. Shazam. I forgot about that. Yeah, so that that's probably next, and it'll be a little while before we get another Justice League movie. And I know, obviously, they're working on Wonder Woman too. I mean, they're not filming it, but that's clearly. In the works, Patty Jenkins is involved again, from what I remember reading. And Gal Gadot said that uh, as long as you get rid of Brett Ratner, that'll be fine. And, and I think uh, they announced, didn't yeah. they announce today or yesterday that he is out? Yes, they, it was over the weekend. They What's said wrong that with he, Brett Ratner? Uh, I mean, uh, other than the fact that he makes terrible movies, uh, apparently, <laughs> apparently he's also a bad guy. But yeah. I would just want him not involved because he's made terrible movies. But, you know. Uh, oh Being yeah, because really he picky. did he did a uh, he did X Men: The Last Stand, and that oh, was that was, awesome. that was always my point that uh, that Brian Singer managed to ruin two franchises by not doing a third X Men movie. He made a <laughs> he made a bad Superman movie, and he uh, let a guy who should never have made an X Men movie make. Not that he let it let it happen, but he caused it to happen. So I've got the schedule here. Okay, great. The, the next DC movies are Aquaman is the next one up in December. 2018 so we got a full year until we get another wait DC they better movie. start filming that yeah <laughs> you know I, uh, I feel like maybe they have but anyway what else do we have shazam april 5th 2019 okay wonder woman 2 november 1st 2019 cyborg april 3rd 2020 and green lantern Corps 20 july 24th 2020 so justice league 2 is just not on the not books anywhere on the book because i knew that originally so pushing that back because they wanted to do a batman standalone oh okay that that Which makes sense also isn't on this list yet yeah well so it's interesting they'll probably plug it in somewhere okay. along the way but... we have some undated stuff batgirl okay. the batman black adam flashpoint gotham city sirens justice league dark nightwing suicide squad 2 and then a bunch of like, so. Wait a minute. Are, blah, is blah, the blah, Flash stuff. movie going to be Flashpoint? They're going to start with that. I don't see any other say. Flash movies on this. Uh, so, John, is that your understanding that they're going to start with Flashpoint? That is my understanding. Yeah, mm. that that's kind of a crazy one to start with. I mean, we were talking about earlier about Steppenwolf being a good first movie villain. I'm not sure if Flashpoint is a good first Flash movie storyline, but yeah no i mean and just because i know that it's it's sort of a very uh divisive uh, storyline comic books and especially tv series uh again i'm not familiar with either one but i just know that that's kind of the background of it i think it, it makes sense for them to want to use it only because using things like a flashpoint gives you 
basically unlimited artistic creativity because uh, the things with time travel is as uh, and often what happens in Flashpoint from my understanding is that you create alternate dimensions, alternate universes where you can essentially have movies and things happen and then just explain them as like, oh yeah, it's Earth 1, Earth 2, that's a different tangential universe because we've now done time travel and that splits all realities. And that's how you end up with Crisis on Infinite Earths. <laughs> right. What were you going to say, know, John? One really good thing that would come from a Flashpoint movie is Jeffrey Dean Morgan would be playing Batman. Ooh, oh, wow. Batman's dad. Yeah, that's awesome. Oh, that's pretty cool. I didn't realize that that was uh, something that... Uh, yeah, oh, okay. in Flashpoint, Flashpoint storyline, Bruce, Bruce dies. dies in the alley and, and uh, Thomas Wayne becomes Batman. Look at that. You guys were both in yeah, a rush. We in you guys were great. both in, in a rush to tell me at the same time. It was like quadrophenic sound. No, we were we were <laughs> syncing up. We were <laughs> connecting our power rings form of water. <laughs> uh, yeah, so look, I, I guess if you've listened to us talk about this movie for over an hour, you should either have seen it or if you're in that small demographic – we're telling you you should go see it, basically, yeah, by what we talked about. Fucking see it already, yeah. Jesus. Yeah, I mean, John's already seen it three times, and he's seen it a fourth time while we've been talking to him. He's <laughs> Skyping to us from the movie theater, and much to the chagrin of those around him. Uh, but anyway, John, thank you so much for uh, taking some uh, time out of your evening. I know it's a little bit later back there, but uh, I really appreciate you uh, talking to us. And uh, obviously, we appreciate you just being a fan of the Black Cast. And this this was the least that we could do was have you on to talk about this. And again, John Nolan is his name. And the Raging Rhino podcast, you said it's RagingRhinoPodcast.com, or did I remember that incorrectly? That is correct. And you are at Raging Rhino Pod. I guess too many characters to get podcast in there, right? That is exactly right, yes. Yeah. Um, let me ask you a quick question, though, since I have you in our final moment here. What do you like the most about the Black Cast? Because I'm always a little bit, and it's probably a, a, a self-defacing sort of thing. Self-deprecating is actually the term I was looking for. Uh, where I'm always kind of baffled that people enjoy it just because it's so different week after week. But what do you like the most? And, and I'll try to focus on making sure we do more of that. Actually, you know something? What I like the most is when I'm listening to you guys, I feel like I am listening to your true selves, like your your true personalities are coming through. You're, you're not being fake. You're not being phony. You're just being yourselves. Well, that definitely became true once Liev was no longer uh, available to be part of the podcast. If he had been his true self, uh, there we would have been brought for hate crimes yeah. in front of the hog or the hag. I think I used is what to, I was looking for. I also used to play like the heel a lot for no reason. <laughs> I don't know why I used to love to do that so much. Like just pretend I didn't understand yeah. things for no reason. Like I don't get that. <laughs> I think that's funny. Well, you know, you you settled into your character yeah. in, in like season three. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, and and first of all, I appreciate you saying that, John. And that is does seem to be something that people like is they feel like you know it is just conversational and that's how it's not for everybody because you know look there's some light editing that happens sometimes we go into areas that uh, we're like you know what let's not put that out there yeah. like we sure had fun with 
that conversation, yeah. but let's not share that. I won't, with I won't say the quote, right. but there's a very, I mean, between just us and yeah. the editing room for famous Jeff quote from a night where we maybe had a couple too many, a beers. Couple too many beers. Yeah, there, there's a Jeff quote that uh, we reference sometimes. And yeah, you know what? It, uh, it's good. It's good that we don't do it live, except for, of course, when we do it live. Yeah, but those uh, obviously are always fun. Well, anyway, John, again, we really appreciate it. We appreciate you listening to the, the podcast. And people check out the At Raging Rhino podcast. Are you going to do a Justice League episode of the Raging Rhino podcast? Yes. In fact, it's podcast number 93. And uh, I actually have it. Uh, I'm just getting ready to record it. I'll have it out probably by the end of the week. All right, great. So you see, now you heard us talk about it, and so you you've can... been doing it for nine hundred and thirty years. That's nuts. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's that's really impressive. Anyway, thanks again, John, and uh, don't be a stranger. We'll uh, have you back on the podcast uh, soon. But uh, always, we welcome your tweets and comments everywhere. So that's our friend John Nolan. Thanks again, John. Thank you, guys. Have a great night. All right, him too. He's going to have a great night because you know what? What could be greater for a night than talking to us? Uh, so, Jeff, any final thoughts here before we uh, close everything down? We close up shop for the night? Uh, Thor Ragnarok rocks. <laughs> Thor Ragnarok rocks. Ragnarok. And how many episodes of The Punisher have you seen? So, obviously, after you texted me that you had watched more than me, yeah. my pride was hurt, I and I am now on episode seven because I stayed up late watching episodes. Yeah, because I texted Jeff yesterday, and I had thought that maybe we would have recorded a segment about The Punisher, but scheduling-wise, it just didn't make sense for today. So, you had only watched two at that point, and yeah. I'd watched six. Yeah. And uh, that's so funny. That makes perfect sense. You're like, well, I have to watch seven now. <laughs> um, and I thought I was going to get to watch one today, but no, I've still only seen six. So... We'll, we, you know, after Thanksgiving, we'll uh, have to uh, spend some time really talking about it. Uh, I'm enjoying it so far. That's all I'll say. Yeah. And uh, I really look forward to seeing where the story goes. But that'll be a uh, future episode, but not our next episode. Um, uh, we'll see if we can maybe sit down with Agent Starling again and get his thoughts on Justice League and Thor and who knows what else. Or maybe we'll just be the three of us talking casually about things in our lives. You never know what you're going to get on an episode of the Blackcast. But whatever it is that you get, for myself, Christian Blatt, at Christian DMZ, for Jeff DeRay, at Jeff DeRay, that's Captain EO himself. And while he wasn't here this week, uh, make sure you check out the latest episode of our friend Will Sterling's Motivation Report. This is very exciting. It was his original full cast radio drama, Superman, Relative Dimensions. Yes, the Superman crossover you didn't know you needed. We'll leave it at that, and we'll let you uh, find out all about it at motivationreport.com slash Superman. I really enjoyed it, and we'll talk to oh, him yeah. about it when we see him. Personal Jack. endorsement. I thought it was fantastic. I thought he, he did a great job. I didn't even expect to get as enthralled in the story, and I literally sat in my car to finish it. Yeah, I, I just sat down and, and I listened to it, and I was going to do some work, but I just sat there and listened to it. It was so yeah. much fun, and uh, I we obviously we're biased because we're big Will Sterling fans. But make sure you check out the Motivation Report, Superman Relative Dimensions at motivationreport.com/slash/Superman, and hopefully we'll all be back together again next week. But whatever we have, we'll see you next time on the Blackcast. Ding. Dong. <laughs>